and welcome to series three of the Why I Knit podcast. My name is Dr. Mia Hobbs and I'm a clinical psychologist who's passionate about knitting and its benefits for our mental health. Each week on the podcast, I interview a different knitter about why they knit and how it benefits their mental health. For the final episode of this series, I'm delighted to be joined by Sylvia Watts-Cherry. Sylvia is a knitwear designer and teacher. I first discovered Sylvia's work when I saw her beautiful design on the front cover of Pom Pom magazine and I really enjoyed her interview on the Pom Pom podcast. I loved hearing how Sylvia spoke about her relationship with knitting and I was also really interested in her thoughts on a different way in which knitting could be therapeutic by allowing her to connect with her African heritage through her knitting designs. Hi Sylvia, welcome to the podcast. Hi Mia, thank you for asking me. It's such a pleasure to meet you. Um, yeah, so I invited you after hearing you on the Pom Pom Pomcast, um, just because I thought there were so many things you said that felt really relevant to the kind of conversations I've had. And um, I saw your beautiful design on the cover. <laughs> so it's so lovely to meet you. Um, I always start with asking where your story with knitting began. So where did yours start? Well, my knitting journey started a long long time ago so in the 19 early 1970s so I I always try to remember exactly what age I was I think I was around eight nine years of age and I was brought up just outside Aberdeen in Scotland and as part of the curriculum I guess preparing us for going into secondary school uh, in those days girls did certain crafts and knitting and sewing were some of them but the knitting was the one that I really gravitated towards and so whereas a lot of my friends did it as an indulge you know they indulged the teachers I just I loved the I actually loved the mathematics of knitting it just seemed to make sense and Although we only had it for a short while and then it finished and we moved on to other things, I carried on in private. Um, So, and I would say to people that knitting was my secret indulgence. You know, it was something I enjoyed, but again, in those days, it wasn't sexy to say you were a knitter and it tended to be the older people that knitted. So I did a lot of it in private and just mastered my own ways of, doing things so not necessarily traditional styles of knitting because I didn't have anybody to watch Um, so but it was so it's something I've been doing a long long time and it's been there all my life since then Um, all through university I knitted and in fact I met friends in Edinburgh recently um, because we're all 60 this year so we're celebrating uh, in Edinburgh and um, my friends having seen a lot of the coverage I've been having said you were always knitting you were you always had knitting with you and I didn't remember I didn't actually remember that but they obviously did have that memory of me but it's always something that I've always had in the background Mm, I relate to that kind of it being a bit secret yes Yes. (laughs) I think I was also at university and would do it in my room and feel a bit nervous about anybody knowing yeah. I think at the time I was doing some more cross stitch than knitting, but later on I was doing knitting. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it didn't quite seem to be 
the thing you would do in public no <laughs> the time. no it was actually the, I mean when my husband and I ended up um, having our own business which we sold in 2016 and when I reintroduced myself to the world of knitting at large because I was still knitting privately um I wanted to have something to do so I joined a meetup group and I got introduced to all these knitting festivals and and I thought, oh, my goodness, it sort of became the age range seemed to drop and mm. it just became something everybody was proud to say they did. And so it's just amazing how it's turned around. So, yeah. And I think obviously the like the online nature makes it easier, doesn't it? I suppose to connect with other people, because I think it, in about a similar time, maybe 2017, I taught a bunch of people at work. Uh -huh. in my team to knit or we did some blankets for somebody's yes. babies and the younger people mm -hmm. automatically went on YouTube to look up knitting techniques or they um, went on Instagram and yes. I'd never done those things yeah. because I learned to knit before they existed yes, and yes. I thought Instagram was about I don't know celebrities Pictures. in bikinis yes <laughs> <laughs> and then I realized there was a whole other world that was how I discovered pom-pom magazine yes, I think yes. um and lots of inspiration and lots of similar people to connect with. Yes, yeah. Um, through it's, knitting. Yeah. What I mean, kinds of things were you knitting at the start, Sylvia? I, I was just knitting everything. And mostly it was always jumpers or sweaters mm -hmm. um, for myself. So, you know, when I always laugh when I see patterns as beginner friendly and I'm thinking, my, I remember my first pieces were like lace, all over lace, intricate lace because I didn't know there was yeah. a beginner friendly pattern. It was just, oh, I like the look of that. So I'll just go and knit it. And sometimes um, that's the great thing about that naivety in a way, yes, isn't it? At the yes. beginning, because now you might have an idea about, oh, that looks yes. a bit complicated or I yes, wonder how that yes. is made. Whereas yes. at the time you probably just didn't know I, and thought, no, okay, I had I'll do that. <laughs> exactly, absolutely no fear. Um, and cables, I loved cables as well. I think also perhaps it was a logic of the cables that once you've set it up, you don't need a pattern because you can see how mm. the stitches should go and how the um, twists inter, um, and the interlocking work. So that one was something I just did for pleasure. Mm. So I would just knit jumpers, um, mostly for myself, but if anybody wanted, I would just knit for them too. So you were also wearing them, I'm assuming. Oh, yeah. Did people know that you'd made them? Like when you were, if you were at university or something where you were maybe the only knitter? Yeah. yeah. I, I don't remember. I don't actually recall people asking, but I do remember a time when um, Icelandic jumpers were in and then a lot of my friends took it up and okay. knitting in the round, which I didn't enjoy. So I just carried on with my pieces. Um, so I guess I was maybe, I don't know what they thought. I do, I've never really wondered what they thought, but um, I, knitwear was part of my youth and growing up. So people wore jumpers and it was on, I noticed around the 1990s, knitwear seemed to drop out of everywhere. It was like sweatshirt material became Okay, in. yeah. I remember when I had my daughters, it, I couldn't get cardigans for them. I wanted just plain white cardigans to go with dresses and I couldn't get them. Mm. So it was just back to, oh, I have to knit that up then. And it sounds to me like you 
quite quickly gravitated towards the more kind of complicated, intricate types of knitting. Do you think mm-hmm. that's something that appeals to you? Like sounds like maybe mathsy yeah, appeal I, or yeah, I do. I think it does. I think I find the plain stocking stitch really boring. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm exactly the same. <laughs> and I know people say it's all meditative and all of that. And it, it, it is, but I enjoy seeing a, sti- a stitch building up and the, if it's a diamond shape, how it forms and then it grows. That for me shows the growth of the knitting. Mm. Whereas with stocking stitch, it just seems to go on forever and ever and it doesn't get anywhere. And that has its own frustrations in my mm. head. Yeah. Although it's quite interesting that during the lockdown, when we first had the intense lockdown, mm. my designing process just went. I, I just, I found it very difficult to be motivated. And I, some of the stuff I, was coming out with in terms of design were based on stock and stitch hmm. which is interesting because yeah. I find I just didn't have it in my head to do anything that needed thought I just needed to completely switch off and and I can see that you know for me having a plain stock in stitch even with just a little bit of lace is not something I would do hmm. and monochrome colors was just another thing I don't always do so if you look at the, some of the stuff I did then, it was very, very unlike me. Mm. Um, so, yeah. And that's interesting, isn't it? Because it was a very unlike normal time. Yes, yes. And I wonder whether you just had, didn't have the same bandwidth for creativity I did not. at that period of time. Because yeah. just, there was so much else our minds were preoccupied with, wasn't there? Yeah. I struggled a lot, actually, during the lockdown. I've, I am a people's person and I get a lot of value by being around others. I get inspired. I just like the chat. And while we were all indoors and Zoom started becoming popular, I found something lacking in not being able to actually connect with another human being face-to-face and see how they were reacting. And although Zoom was okay initially, it soon became another way of communicating that I didn't really enjoy Mm. because it wasn't like talking to people really you could say it was all quite set up it wasn't uh, organic in the way that you could just butt over each other and it's okay you had to have rules about now I'm speaking now you stop and somebody else talks and 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 those type were really difficult I found that I started becoming quite insular and not wanting to Um, becoming really reclusive and that started my stopped my creative Mm. creativity that I just didn't want to do anything Um, I I had actually unfortunately been committed to so many designs that it was almost like every month I had a deadline and that forced me to work but it became very mechanical rather than creative. It was very, I find my creativity is best if I'm left to just come up with an idea and explore it. And with these, it was just very, very, um, it, it was became mechanized, very mechanical. 
and became like work, yeah. which up till then it hadn't been. And at the end of the year uh, of 2020, I just thought, I don't know if I want to carry on in this industry because it, I'm not enjoying it. It's not fun. I, I'm doing, I did it because it was fun and it's no longer that much fun. Uh, but the knitting was still helping. Uh, but rather than being all the big, bold designs, it was just became, I just knit and knit anything. As long yeah. as I'm knitting, it's so, I'll be fine. Yeah. And so that kept me a little bit calm. Mm. So, yeah, but the, going back to the intricate designs, I think I'm always thinking. I very rarely stop thinking. So I have to distract my thoughts by having something else in its place. And that's where the intarsia will come in because I'm so busy watching that I don't realize that I've switched off and then I become calmer. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah, that's something I think that's come up quite often on the podcast, the idea, and that's certainly something I strongly relate to. And I had picked a quote out of your interview uh -huh. um with Sophie for the podcast about um you know you'd said about Paragon your design um being like a happy knit because it took like all your concentration yes and that felt like a happy place for you I think yes yes um and I certainly relate to needing a quite complicated project on my needles because yes. then I can just all of my concentration goes to that yes. and none yes. of it's thinking about yes. dinner or what they can do for school or you know <laughs> the, re the reports I haven't written yet yes. and yes. those things yes. yeah yes no it's true <laughs> and so have you, have you kept knitting the whole way through kind of there haven't been ever been long phases where you haven't knitted at all there was a time, um, so I, I was hand-knitting all the way through, and then around 1986, 85, 86, I was introduced to machine knitting, and suddenly I could produce loads of knitwear in the form of stocking stitch without worrying, because it, you just go back and forth, and you produce all these, and very fine gauge, so you could knit um items that were more like the shop bought stuff rather than thicker double knitting thicker yarns mm. um so i i i saw the speed of producing a jumper and was easily attracted to machines so i stopped hand knitting and took to the machine knitting in a big way and, and that lasted till 1990 when my daughters were born and then I needed this space because, again, I love to see the colours of yarn. So I, I had the room that became their bedroom was my workspace. And I had floor to ceiling cupboards full of just cones of yarn. So I, it just became an inspiration for me mm. if I wanted to work on something. So once they were born, I needed the room for them. And that stopped my knitting. So. So from 1990 till about the 2014, um, I didn't knit, really. I stopped knitting. And I haven't heard about machine knitting. Like, was there, in terms of what, what you get from hand knitting, mm -hmm. did the machine knitting process, like, give you anything similar? Or did, did it feel like quite a different thing, more about the end product rather than the yes. process? Yeah, I, I think initially I thought, about the speed, the speed of production had seemed to be what I wanted. So I took to it quickly. And it's only when I came back into hand knitting that I realized 
that it wasn't necessarily the product, but the process that I enjoyed. Mm. And I, I have still got two machines and I haven't brought them out since then, since mm. about 1990. And I keep thinking, oh, maybe I'll just get them out. But I remember the joy of getting back to my hand knitting. And I didn't have that joy from the machine. It was all about the product mm. rather than the process. And, you know, I hear people talking about, are you a process knitter or a product knitter? Yeah. And I've always said, I think I'm in somewhere in the middle because I, I love the process when I'm working through something, but I need to finish it before okay. I can't bear the thought of having multiple projects unfinished. I think maybe it's the way I work. I can work in quite a messy environment like my room, which you can't see all of, but, <laughs> but when I need to focus or when something I need to concentrate, I have to tidy everything up. So it needs okay. to be tidy. And do you only have one project on the go at once? I tend to have an idea in my head. So I've, at the moment, I've got two projects with deadlines in August. So I've done the charts because I normally start with an Excel spreadsheet of the design. I have the chart and then I, I work on the stitches and the rows and then I have to adapt the size slightly to fit with the repeats of the part, chart pattern. So I've got two that actually I've got three. <laughs> I've got three, <laughs> but one of them has been almost dormant. So it's almost like I'm not even thinking about it. And uh, so it's at the back there, but I'm not thinking about it. So I've got two that are active, but I can only really focus on one at a time. Mm -hmm. so, um, so once I'm on, working on one, I will tend to forget the others until I get to a point where I really need to catch up and then I'll okay. leave and then I'll pick up. Yeah. Um, but it's, I find it a little bit stressful having lots of things on the go. I need to feel um, that something gets finished and then I'll start on something else. Um, yeah. And do you have like your personal knitting still? Do you have, would you have a, I don't know. Yeah. Someone I do else's actually. design where you think, or a vanilla oh. sock where you think, or do you think, ah, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Not yeah. that it's very vanilla in colors. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just realized I've got so much yarn. And once you start this design madness, I mean, <laughs> you tend to, be offered a lot of yarn from companies, um, usually to work on something. Uh, so you every almost every week I have yarn arriving. Either can you try this out? We thought you might like it. What do you think? Or it's coming for an, a project I'm working on. So I've got a lot of yarn I have accumulated over the years that I've not even had a chance to look at. And my room is in danger of just overwhelming me with only a tiny space to work in <laughs> so my thing this year is to try and knit up as many of the single skeins as I can into yarn because they're all socks yarn mm -hmm. so I'm going to try and make as many socks yarn so I've pulled out a massive bag full and there's still more and I've just told everybody just tell me your length of your feet your <laughs> width of your feet I need to knit these so what I've done now 
is during the daytime I try and focus on commission work so to me that's work yeah. and then when I finish in the evening I work on my own things mm. so it's, that's my relaxation then yeah and in terms of why you keep coming back to knitting and what knitting gives you for your kind of mental well-being it might be yeah. different I guess maybe the knitting and the designing are in two separate camps yeah. but yeah. it's interesting I'd be interested to know about just the process of knitting or the you know the whole knitting thing why do you think it's yeah. stuck around for you and what I what think, feels helpful for you about knitting yeah. I think it's just the fact that it's so creative that you start from nothing and you nurture this nothingness and it produced something very useful and something that you want to see in others. I do a lot of knitting for people rather than for myself. I just love the fact that I'm thinking of that person while I knit. And so every, so I never ever, unless it's absolutely hideously obvious, correct mistakes. I will okay. try and drop down and pick up the stitch, but I always find that most of us are so over um, perfectionists about our work that we tend to let it stop us progressing. Mm. And for me, most of the people I would knit for, and most people out there don't see the mistakes that you see or that you know is there. Mm. And for me as well, it also adds to the individuality and adds to the fact that it's it's a it's a personal thing and it's there's not another one like it. Um, so I just enjoy the creativity. I also just enjoy the fact that most of my work in life, I was always practical. I never saw myself as particularly creative. And it's only through this medium that I'm able to express my sense of creativity. Mm. And I enjoy that. I love that. I love being able to make for others because it, and when they wear it, I feel proud that they're wearing the love that I've wrapped them up in as oh, well. I love so. that phrase, that way <laughs> of putting it, the love that you've wrapped them up in. Um, <laughs> I wondered about the like materials that you use. I suppose I feel like I might know the answer to this, but how much does it matter? Like things like the color and the texture of the yarn in terms of how mm. it makes you feel when you're knitting? I found, I mean, I've knitted with all types of yarn mm. um, because it usually depends on what the um, magazine or the body that wants the commissioned, what they would like to be knitted in. But I've, find that I need something which is smooth because then it feels nice for, while I'm knitting it. I'm not very good at this sort of um, boucle type yarns and cotton is not my bag either, but I need the colors. I do need a lot of colors. I find that colors make me feel happy and the more happy I feel, the more color I want to knit with. So if I'm knitting with something gray, you know that there's a problem somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, but no, I do enjoy the pop of colors. It just fills me, it's this way I would dress. And it just, it just, I mean, I say I love the yellow because it makes me so happy. Mm. I see it and I feel happy. I wear, bright colors I feel happy 
So I want to knit with colours that would make me feel happy. And do you think they can, so it sounds like if you were having like a not great day, you might end up, you know, reaching for the grey yarn or something. Do you think that the knitting sometimes changes your mood? Like if you, you know, weren't feeling so happy, but then you sat down with your knitting that happened to be this gold and bright pink creation that that might move you into a better mood. Yeah. Yeah, I do find that um, sometimes that, you know, I look at it like I, I've got some dress dummies that if, I, if I'm knitting, working on something, sometimes I'll just pin it. I'll just pin it on the, the dummy mm-hmm. when, I, when I've gone to bed. So when I come in in the morning, it, I just look at it and I go, oh, <laughs> so I'll go and start, start snapping photos because I just think, oh, my gosh, look, look at that. Um, so, yeah, it can it has the habit of making me feel happier. I tend to be very, you know, if I see the sunshine, I'm mm. happy. If the clouds come down, my mood goes down. So I have to try and reflect that with my the colours I knit with to bring my mood mm. back up again. So it's giving you a bit um, of sunshine in your house. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, yeah. And I really, you know, I look at other people's knitting and designs and think, I'd love to knit something really neutral and earthy. And then I go and pick something up and I go, ah, that's, that's what I would do. <laughs> <laughs> so you find yourself gravitating so, back towards your, your palette. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I do. But it sounds I like do. that brings you I a do. lot of joy though, those colours. It does. It, it, brings, it brings me joy and people recognise it's me, I guess, because they know, they've seen how I've used colour. The people have said, oh, I knew that was one of yours. I go, how did you know? I wasn't said no, you can just tell. Um, but the, the sort of design, the shapes also add to the mood as well. I don't try, but I can see that I automatically gravitate towards certain bold shapes, like the big diamond shape, or if I'm doing a something, it's usually it starts to grow. And because I'm doing a chart and I think, well, I just want a small chart. And then I look and I think, well, it's 48 stitches wide. How did it get there? <laughs> um, because, Is that a problem then with uh, grading when it's that big, the repeat? Yeah, it can't be. It's, it's, if it's like a, I don't know, like the Bayview that I did for Vogue, where it's one picture, it's just about adding extra to the size. But if it's a repeat, then it becomes an issue because you then you're thinking do I need to do two charts for the sizes or can I I just add a few stitches extra and how will that detract from the overall idea I had in the first place so yes it can be a a problem but not not usually I usually find a way around Mm. it (laughs) and I was really interested in the interview did with pom-pom where you were talking about um that you've been exploring kind of your African heritage and getting lots of inspiration from the shapes I think you said that the diamond shape is a and that you felt that was I think you used the word therapeutic I'd love to hear a bit more about that yeah yeah I find I think for me we said knitting is a way of being creative for me and makes me feel like I can explore that part of me but also having grown up in Scotland and being amongst only in fact when I was growing up I really we didn't really know any other ethnic minority families in the area and I think there were 
when I started secondary school in Aberdeen, there were two of us that were ethnic minorities mm. and one family had the Chinese takeaway and then there was me. So I didn't really have a lot of engagement with my own Africanness or culture. So I had sort of grown up without all of that. And I traveled to north of London. I'm in Hertfordshire. Mm. And um, having, you know, I think I, I've mentioned before my eureka moment when I went to a, an exhibition and it was an African, it's African utopia, I think it being titled. But it was just everything celebrating the food, the fabric. It was just beautiful colors. And it just, something just happened to me that I just looked and thought, this is why I've chosen all these sort of colors. And then I started trying to explore maybe using, because to me, it just seemed like there were a lot of designs that could be used in it. You were already designing before you had your Eureka moment? No, no. I'd, um, I'd done a design. No, I hadn't. I'd just been knitting as normal. And then I had that Eureka moment. And then at the Christmas, I, I appeared in the Kirsty Allsop's um, Christmas sweater competition, her, what's it called? The TV oh, program yeah, yeah, she yeah. does around Christmas, yeah. yeah. And I, some, one of her researchers had found me on Instagram. And so I used that as an inspiration to design a sweater of using an, a motif I'd seen in an African um, fabric. Uh, and then as I wanted to research more, I, I bought a few books about African artifacts and and fabrics and text textiles. And I started reading about different areas in Africa. And then I suddenly thought, this is my people. These are things I didn't even know about. Mm. This is the history I didn't have. And so it then became a way to connect with that part of me that I had not had growing up and having grown up as a child in a very white area I felt that I had had to suppress some elements of who I was in order to exist because you know as a child you don't be different sure. from everybody around you so you are assimilate and assimilation sometimes means that you cover a part of who you are and that doesn't, you know, you don't realize how stressful that mm. is until later on you start to explore it. Going back to the childhood, that I didn't always feel that I was part of the group. I didn't, although I was, I had my friends and I still have them today, I never felt fully integrated to, into the group. So I felt a bit different. And then when we moved to, I moved to the southeast of England area. There were many, many diverse people, but I still had this thing of, well, where do I fit in now? Because I've been, I'm, I know who I am in a white environment, but who am I in a black environment? So again, it was another time to start figuring out my own, my identity. And that was another source of difficulty. But having started this journey, it just felt like, this is something I can take from it what I want and what I feel is me. 
and I can pick up other parts of Britishness or Scottishness, which I feel I can. And so then I've started to become fairly comfortable with this identity of not being one thing, but just being me with lots of different influences. Mm. And so, yeah, so in a way, it is a bit of therapy in the sense that I get to learn a little bit more of my heritage, my background, and to feel pride that, you know, that I have this in my genetic makeup and that I can use it to tell a story and to show people, you know, there is, this is the background, this is what it's come from. And people write to me and say, gosh, you're just good at, we always learn something from when you make a design. I said, that's because I've learned something and I want to share it. And when I'm mm. sharing it, I then feel that, I'm built, I feel that I have this sense of fitting in and not, you know, fitting into, our culture fitting into something which I hadn't felt before so it is like a form of therapy for me and I guess a more like you talked about the kind of idea of assimilating and I don't know hiding some bits of you whereas this is I guess the opposite yes, I suppose yes, yes. than making them very visible yes, and yes, proud yes. and kind of sharing them yes and the other thing just really struck me was the idea of you know, you're obviously known for your intarsia designs. Yes. It's a little bit like you're weaving in, you know, those twisting yes. those ends yes. together with the African design and the Scottish yes. bits that you've taken and the British bits. Yes. That they're all the different threads of the intarsia pattern in a way, yes. aren't they? Yeah. I mean, intarsia, I mean, I didn't specially say I'm going to do intarsia. It just lended itself to the designs that I was seeing. And mm. I didn't necessarily feel that they were so repetitive that they could just be a stranded work or if they were, the strands would be too long. So I had to adapt them into maybe intarsia. The Paragon design was complete and pure indulgence. I was just, when I was, <laughs> when I was invited to put a design forward, I, I just thought, okay, I've got this design. I'm not sure you'll like it, but I'm just going for it anyway. And then I just saw these bold colours because I had actually knitted it in a really bold colour and they loved that. So when we were choosing, it was obvious it was going to be bold colours. Um, but I also love the sort of scenery type pictures that I put in where I did the sweater that I took to VKL in New York and it was the African village I called it and mm -hmm. it depicted sort of village life and it was a full-on entire I don't know if you've seen it full-on entire all the way around with a road and ladies coming who had been to the market kind of shopping in their heads then you had the yeah. African village with pounded yarn going on and little houses and then I thought you know what I'm just throwing in some animals so I had elephants and giraffes and stuff <laughs> I mean you're never yeah. going to see a village like that but I just enjoyed the playfulness of that yeah but that's you can in knitting yes. it doesn't have to be in an actual village <laughs> but the amazing thing is how many people I met who just said um I met uh, Laduma the knitwear designer in New York from South Africa and he thought from the village he's in he says it looks very much like my village have you been there how did you come I said no I didn't then I met somebody from the Caribbean said that looks very much like 
the my country, you know, the island I'm from. I said, no, it's not that. I said, actually, it's yeah. nowhere. So I, yeah. I thought that one was an interesting one because it seemed to connect loads of people from different places who identified with it. And I said, no, it's just a figment of my imagination. But it sounds like that connection is something that's been a, a kind of theme throughout the things you've spoken about, like a way of connecting to mm-hmm. your different heritages yes. and experiences yeah. and bringing them together for yourself. Yes. I suppose I wondered yes. whether that felt like a manageable lens yes. to connect with, you know, your African roots of, in terms of thinking about it through knitting, yes. <laughs> like a way of processing it rather than, you know, having to research everything yes. about yeah those cultures but also thought about um I don't know connections through gifting seems to have also been important Mm -hmm. and you know your idea about um the love you're wrapping your loved ones up in and all of these socks are going to be (laughs) (laughs) for For the rest of life (laughs) yeah yeah and that you've connected to lots of people and they've connected to your designs even though they were to some extent you know created yes yes yeah you've seen their own lives in there. Yeah. I think connection mm-hmm. has been uh, an important thing for me, connecting to others, connecting to being feeling as part of a group, feeling I belong. That's always been a thread that's gone through my life, mm-hmm. I guess. And it is through the knitting that I'm becoming finally to accept my differences and also accept that I am unique and I have many influences and that's what makes me who I am and I can rejoice in all of it I don't have to hide any of it I you know and this is a way of just celebrating it all and and the connection with others it's been absolutely wonderful to be connected to people all over the world it always still amazes me that the you know we sometimes I I get upset about the negativity of social media, but through social media, it's, helped, it's allowed me to connect with people I would never in a million life have been able to connect with um, mm. from other parts of the world. And I'm regularly in touch with people from um, the US in particular, but of, from other parts of the world that it's just, and it's all through the knitting. It's all through this two sticks and the piece of yarn and that you work through it and it connects us all really Mm, absolutely lovely Sylvia I know you've spoken about a few obviously really significant projects already but I always ask about um people to tell me about a significant knitting project so that might be one of your designs um could be one you've already spoken about or just knitting something yeah um I don't know something that was significant for you yeah the, the one thing that comes to mind as you're asking without even think that thought is uh, the shawl I made for my grandson just before he was born I guess it's a special moment being a grandparent it's not something that you know if you're lucky you're lucky you become a parent and if you're even lucky you become a grandparent and for me it's just my family is a great source of joy for me and when I heard I was going to be a grandmother I'd always said it to myself because I'd always seen these um, um, Shetland fine lace shawls oh yeah and baby blankets or shawls 
And I always said that I would never make one unless it's for my grandchild. <laughs> 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 I've got a month of work knitting with this thin thread. It was not yeah. something I was going to knit for just anybody. So that one was the absolute, absolute joy for me to do. It took me a long time to make, longer than I normally take. And the number of stitches, it took me, in an hour, I think I did about two rows. It was just yeah. wow. <laughs> But I persisted every day because it was just something I really wanted to make. They've only used it once <laughs> because it's just so delicate. You wouldn't want yes. it damaged. But it is a project I poured everything into. It was a great, great um, love to do and when I finished it the great sense of relief that it was done and it was in time and uh, it was just amazing um, in terms of others designs I guess for me doing the pattern I did for um, the competition for the Kirsty's um, handmade Christmas that one was quite an interesting one because I'd never actually designed anything from scratch before uh, up till then, I knitted a lot and adapted patterns, uh, as we all do. But I'd never actually said, right, I'm going to knit and this is my, this is the remit and this is what it's going to be. And this is, I had an idea and I played with it, played with it, played with it. And I'd go, I'd be stuck. I'd get stuck for a long time. Then I'd go for a walk and just the freedom of walking and the, you know, just enjoyment of being out in the fresh air. I'd come up with um, solutions to the problem I'd been stuck with and I'd come back, redraw it and think, right, can I make this? And eventually the design came and it was that for me was a great sense of achievement because I'd never done something like that before. And that was the, that was what made me think I could actually design. Um, so when the Nubian Queen happened and everybody was going, oh, we want this as a pattern. And a, I've never written a pattern before. B, I don't like following patterns. So why would I write a pattern if I don't like <laughs> following them? <laughs> and then C, I just thought, well, all the patterns I've known are old patterns from way back. I very rarely knit other people's designs. I tend to make things up. So I wasn't used to seeing the newer patterns. So I had to learn and I learned by designing for magazines, but as specifically Knit Now in the UK was the first magazine I just submitted an idea to. They liked it and then they give you a template of what they liked, how their patterns have to look. And I just followed it and it helped me to start pattern writing but yeah so those two are the things that would stick to mind because one doing that one design for the competition enabled me to know that I could do it I never it wasn't something I was looking to do or something I thought I could do but it's just something and I've quite enjoyed having an idea and developing that that was something novel because yeah. up till then it'd been work <laughs> been coming up with uh, ideas at work and then as a, or my background is, is in science I'm a chemist by degree with okay. maths as a secondary mm. subject 
And so for me, it was very um, scientific way of working. Like you come up with an idea and then you know what you think it might be, but you just have to come up with like, other experiments to see whether it will work together, work, and whether your ideas that you thought were the actual conclusions and summaries. So that, you know, knitting for me is very scientific and yeah. mathematical. It's, but that's, you know, it is, especially if you're a designer. Yes. I think yes. there is a lot of that and that like a kind of problem yes. to be solved by I want it to look like this how do I actually make this yes. recipe and what, what do I know what do I know <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah I can see but it's a more creative way of doing that yes with, yeah yes. that's amazing and um, I wanted to just go back to something else you said that I was really interested in and didn't ask about at the time the idea about mistakes mm -hmm. because it's something you know I've been running two therapeutic knitting groups running one in a secondary school and it's something I think a hurdle that gets in the way I think when people are learning yes. to knit yes. and um, I wondered whether you'd always been had the attitude to um, when things go wrong that I kind of carry on and I don't go back and fix mm -hmm. it or whether it's something you've developed over time. I certainly feel like I've become more, I wouldn't say my view is the same as yours necessarily, but I've become more tolerant that mistakes are part of the yes. process and that I decide whether I go back yes. and fix them or I leave them but they don't cause me psychological injury no. anymore. No, <laughs> But they used to probably. Yes. I think when I was younger, I mean, I am a perfectionist, which sort of goes against what I've just said. So it takes me a long time to be happy. I'll spend forever on my spreadsheets before I think I'm happy. But once I'm happy, I know it will work. So I can mm -hmm. then just move on. But in terms of the knitting, I mean, I have to say, I have there are a couple of designs I came up with that when I looked at them, and I'm not going to say which publication, but <laughs> I looked at them and I was so, I just thought, I can't hand this in. They'll think um, this is rubbish. I think it's rubbish. If I think it's rubbish, they're going to think it's rubbish. <laughs> I'm not sending it in. And I went for my walk. I talked to my husband. I said, well, what do you think? He said, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to see. <laughs> I said, well, it's so obvious. I said, you know what? I can't bear it. I'm just going to write to them and tell them I'll pay for the wool, apologize for wasting their time, and that's it. So that I, I do still fluctuate. Mm. I do still fluctuate. But, you know, usually I will think, well, deadline is coming up in a week. There's absolutely no way I can rewrite this. But in general... And through my teaching, I guess I've also learned because I work with young people. And what I love about young people is their ability to not be tainted by life experiences, that they will get up and they'll keep getting up and they'll keep getting up. And I just aspire to that. Um, and, I, and also I work with a lot of children who have had failures in their life. And I, get, I try and be what I tell them. I try and be that person rather than do as I say, but I'm something else. You know, I always will say to them, I've made, I make mistakes every single day. Yeah. But you can't let that stop you because the fear of failing is what will make you fail. So you need to see that as part of the learning process. And it is hard. It's a hard thing to accept when you feel that you've made a mistake. But I guess as you get older, you learn that mistakes are just 
experiences and a chance to just retry things and to accept. So I do try hard not to. And if you're working to a deadline, I can't. I, I think deadlines are the thing that stop me being a perfectionist because I haven't got the time to go back. So I will accept a lot more than I ever used to. Mm. And I guess it probably teaches you that it maybe wasn't necessary because yeah. if you keep kind of getting away with it or, you know, you keep thinking, OK, I could have changed something. I didn't. Yes. I submitted it and, it was and the, they loved yes, it. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Then it was probably fine. Yes. yes. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's the whole thing about life. You sit and worry and worry and worry. And usually the thing you worry about doesn't happen. And with kids, when I'm teaching, when I am teaching knitting, I spend forever getting them to cast on and I'll rip it off and then I'll, let's do it again that's okay and um, so they learn that it's not a big deal to restart it doesn't matter you've just you you're getting experience whether you restart or you carry on it doesn't matter and also sometimes keeping those mistakes is actually good because you see the progression yeah that's what I'm always trying to get them to do yeah. is to like no don't rip it yes. out just let's keep yeah, going yeah. and see then we can see the change yes, yes. Yeah. yeah and I do think personally like that's one of the things the greatest values I've got from knitting yes. is about the kind of making mistakes tolerating yes. them yes. and getting better at yes. that and I think that has spread into other areas of my life yes. I've been more tolerant and also that the kind of the process yes like it's all just part of the yes, process it is it's, it's part and also you know there's lots of metaphors about life through knitting you know the unraveling mm. and the fact that you know with intarsia when I'm teaching it I say look it doesn't I leave my ends just to be free I don't bind them at all and I said when you think everything's all tangled up you just pull it and because the ends are not bound they'll just pull all the way through I said that is such a great metaphor for life that you can't <laughs> you can sort out any old tangle it doesn't matter to see it but a lot of people can't see the tangles. They get, you know, they get wound up by seeing it all tangled. But I can look at the tangles because I know they're not real. And I can just pull mm. them and it's, it gets okay. And you also, the feeling that you can detangle your own mess is a great metaphor for life yeah. as well. Yeah, that's a really good yeah. metaphor for life. Um, I always end with asking, what's the greatest gift that knitting has given you for the rest of your life? The ability to create something from nothing, to create beautiful mm. things, to, to be creative, to make friends. Oh, there's so many things. I can't even just name one. Um, yeah, it's hard, it? Is it? hard. <laughs> it is hard. But I think ultimately is the ability to create. I love the creative way it's I love myself while I'm knitting I love the creativity the fact that I can be spend a few hours and come up with something which I didn't have before that mm. is amazing that's a brilliant what about you what about you what have you been oh I agree it's really hard to pin it down to one thing I think for me it feels like a really a kind of accessible way of accessing calm. And I think I have had this always this innate need to make things. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't necessarily have felt, I feel a bit 
intimidated by the idea of being artistic, mm-hmm. but I don't feel intimidated by the idea of making yes. and craft. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and I think it's creative in a way of, um, I think I need that because I think there are aspects of my job that don't feel that I don't have that opportunity. Yes. So I think it gives me, I like a project. Mm-hmm. It gives me like a joy and a focus. Yes. And I think I am somebody whose brain flits about yes. quite a lot. Yes. I don't find it so easy to sit. St- no. I, I can't just sit down and watch TV. But if I'm knitting, I can. Yes. And so I need that kind of level of stimulation. Yes. If I was doing a training on Zoom, I'd 100% pay better attention if I'm knitting. Yes, no. <laughs> Um, if I was anxious about something, if I went to had to wait in a hospital, I'd feel better if I yes, was knitting. Yes. So I think it gives me it's like having a little spa in your knitting bag yes. that you can yeah. just kind of feel more relaxed. I'm sure my blood pressure is. Oh, yes. When I, knit. I do have evidence of that. The blood pressure where I was my blood pressure was really they were looking at I am on tablets, but they were looking at increasing the dose. And then I went intensively into my knitting and it came down. And they asked me what mm. I was doing. So yes, there is evidence of <laughs> wow. that. Wow. So, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I love, you know, when I see a pattern um, that I want to knit, I would say it's rare that I knit it in exactly the same yes. colours yeah. as in the pattern. I kind of feel like that's my chance yes. to be creative, yes. is that I'm going to be the decider of the colours yes. and um and I really relate to the kind of idea of making something and knitting all your love into yes. it for somebody yes. else. Um, so I think there's loads about yes. it that yeah. it's given me and more tolerance of mistakes yes. and process, yeah. I think. And I, I yeah. like the thought of um, knitting in parts because, you know, a lot of people are knitting sweaters or jumpers in one piece and it goes all the way mm. around and around. But I actually enjoy the knitting them in parts and then constructing them together. And mm. that to me is like the magic where you, it's, you can carry your piece of front or your back and you take it with you anywhere because it's small mm. enough to yeah, carry. Yeah, that is easier. Yeah. yeah. So I, because my knitting has to be portable because I knit. I'll stand in a bus queue knitting and I'll, <laughs> I'll sit. And so for me, when I, I have a delay, it's not a big deal because I've actually got something to occupy my mind that I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, my stress level has come down. So, yeah. I don't like being caught short without oh, my knitting. Yeah, All yeah. of a sudden waiting for yeah. something and think, oh, yeah, the missed yes, I know. That's, that's, that's what I do. I, I go, why? Why did I just not take something with me? Why did I not anticipate this? And you can always sneak a little sock. Oh, gosh, in yeah. yeah exactly, <laughs> exactly. That's why socks are great. Yeah. I mean, people go, why are you bothering to make socks when you can just go to the shops and buy them? I said, yeah, but it's just nice to know that yours and you go when you give them and people go oh my gosh it's it's so pleasing but it yeah. but all the same even if I, I have a box of socks that have not gone to anybody just because I needed to knit so I just yeah. knit them and, and then when people visit and they go do you have a pair of socks I thought here you go <laughs> <laughs> you can keep yes. them <laughs> and also with their world yes like they're much warmer exactly in the exactly yeah <laughs> well sylvia it's been an absolute pleasure to meet you and to hear your stories about knitting if people want to find out more about your work how would they go about doing that right so i'm most present on instagram and mm-hmm. i'm known as with cherries on top two 
okay. on Instagram. I'm on Ravelry too, where my patterns are, and on Etsy, where you can purchase patterns. But the place where I do show myself up most is on Instagram. I try and post regularly. Perfect. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for asking. It's been great. Thank you so much for listening to this series of the podcast. I hope to be back with series four in the autumn. I also just wanted to let you know that for our creative restoration retreat, we've now decided after being asked many times to open it up to all healthcare professionals. So if you are a healthcare professional and you'd like to join our retreat on the 1st of October in Richmond, then you can find out more details at creativerestoration.org. We'd love to see you there.